Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back on the airwaves. I am your host, Jack White, alongside my partner in crime here at Turbulence. Boy, do we have a show for you today. We are going to give you the rundown of both earlier games today as both the men's and women's UMD basketball teams beat their respective opponents as the women took down a Nebraska team that came in and fought and really, really clawed at the Terps, but unfortunately came up short by 10 points. While the men in Indianapolis were able to scrap out a win, excuse me, not in Indianapolis, but I, what was it, George? Was it Greensboro? No, Greensboro was the ACC tournament. It wasn't Indianapolis. It wasn't Indianapolis. That's what I thought. Okay. I think it might have just been a different location than in Indianapolis. In Indianapolis, and they were able to take down Michigan State for the second time this season. And we will get uh, more specific into both games as we dive deeper into the show. But before we do anything and talk about anything, George, I believe you have a trivia question for me. I do, my friend. And you just harked on the fact that Maryland beat uh, Michigan State today. And as we all know, we'll be playing the Wolverines tomorrow. So my question involves both the Michigan State Spartans and the Michigan Wolverines and asking you, my friend, when was the last time that Maryland beat both Michigan State and Michigan in the same season in men's basketball? Wow, that's a question. You can think about it. Don't worry. Yeah, I need some time. That's a thinker. That's definitely a thinker. I'm going to have to take the show to think about that one. Okay, go for it. And uh, like I said, I can repeat it at the end of the show for you and, and our listeners, but that's the question. And think about it, ponder it, and let's get into uh, our show. All right, will do. So earlier today, you know, I was sitting down and, you know, I honestly had initially the energy to do a little bit of homework, but then I kind of told myself like, no, I'm on spring break. You know, I'm going to kind of chill it. You know, I got some work to do over the break, but not today. Not today. It was too nice of a day. Uh, Didn't have the energy, not to mention the players championship first round full coverage on the golf channel. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a trap. That's just too big of a temptation for me. For those that know me, I'm a massive golfer and golf fan, as is George. And I had to just, I had to sit down and watch it. And honestly, my initial thoughts, I mean, I was quite impressed by some things I saw from the field, primarily a European board so far. Um, on the first page, we got guys like Matthew Fitzpatrick, um, Sergio Garcia went out there, shot a 65. Uh, prior to getting on the air today, George, you and I were rather displeased by what we saw from the Englishman, Roy McElroy. Northern Irishman, my friend. The Irishman, Northern Irishman. I, I apologize. It's shooting, okay, but uh, shooting a uh, seven you know, he'll, over. He'll, he'll still be representing you know, the European team in the Ryder Cup, so it's okay. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. No, no. He'll, he'll be there. You, you, can't, you can't just kick off Roy for having one bound round. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The – I didn't see a lot of things that impressed me today, but the golf course was definitely playing tough. I mean, when I stopped watching, I think at around like 4.30, there were already 30 balls hitting the water on 17. That's the second most since 2008 when there were 52 hitting the ball, and that leads all time uh, at 17. Well, I don't know. Did you see um, Ben on today shot an 11 on 17? On 17, he hit four in the water, three of them. Three from the drop zone. Oh my gosh. I I mean, how do you, how do you go on? I mean, how, like, how is the mind? And then not to mention that his tee shot on 18 left in the water. I mean, oh my gosh. What kind of, well, speaking of the leader with, you know, Sergio and everything, I remember he won the masters 
And then the following year on hole 15, he shoots a 12. He put it in the water on uh, 15 a bunch of times. That's what I was just about to say. You know, there are a lot of tournaments that I've seen, at the very least, guys hold the lead to the final round and contend. But it is hard. It's a challenging thing no matter who you are, what your stature is on tour, to hold the lead from round one to the end of Sunday. And on a golf course like this, I really do wonder if Roy – not excuse me, not Roy – uh, Sergio is going to be able to take it the distance and especially, you know, through the trenches of this golf course. I mean, this golf course is so unique. You got wind. I mean, it's narrow. It's long for some of the players. Sergio doesn't, you know, he's not a, a Bryson DeChambeau. He's not carrying it 330. I mean, he's, he's got to be accurate and he's got to be consistent. It all starts, you know, up there in the brain, you know, mentally to keep the uh, right composure. But I don't know. I have Sergio contending on Sunday. I don't think I see him winning, though. Well, if you remember a couple of years ago in the 2015 players, he made it to the uh, playoff with Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so he, so I think he'll definitely be able to compete. Um, he's a very good player and, and I think he'll be in there. Um, I just, I, I mean, again, it's, it's still early in the week and who knows Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, you'll have to be, you know, within contention. If anyone's within, you know, three or four back on Sunday, anyone can win this tournament because all it takes is, you know, water on 17, water on 16, water on 18, as you're coming down with the nerves and anything can happen. So if you can, you know, no one's safe. It's probably the hardest three hole stretch in non-major golf uh, every year. So. Oh yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is a golf course that can ruin your round in one hole in one shot. I mean, it can mm-hmm. really, it can really get to you quickly, and um, it's going to be interesting. I love the players. There's, there's a reason they call it the fifth major. I'm excited with the weekend and tomorrow has in store. But some other notable names that are up there, you know, Jordan Spieth. Uh, he was at three under um, in the middle of his round in the back nine. He was doing a nice job. Bryson DeChambeau was at one. Even yes, yes, the old timer, the lefty, Phil Mickelson finished one under today. He hung in there. He, he stuck it out and grinded out with the wind and the water. So he will definitely be a name to watch as they progress into the weekend. Hopefully he can make some noise. I, mean, I know the fans would love to see him up there competing with the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got the best golfers in the world out there and it's going to be interesting to see, but like overall, who do you have winning? You know, I want Phil, but I mean, like, like who, who do you have winning? Cause your boy Roy, no offense. He's, he's done. He's cooked. Yeah. Unfortunately is, as you know, he's my favorite golfer and he's out of contention. So I, I don't really care who wins, but um, um, I'd like to see Matthew Fitzpatrick win it. I, I like him. He's a young guy. He's another, you know, European um, who who's up and coming. He's still looking for, you know, a major breakout win. He always, he kind of, he's like Patrick Cantley, but of the European kind of guy. Um, and Patrick Cantley's been playing really well this year. So it'd be nice to have his, European counterpart do well. And uh, I think that would be a, an interesting one um, to, to see going forward. But like we said, I, I don't expect Jordan Spieth to do it. I don't expect Sergio to hang on, but we'll see. And I, I don't think that this is a course that Bryson can overpower. There's just too many hazards, both bunkers and water that his errant driving, even if it is 350 yards, you can be in a lot of trouble a TPC Sawgrass stadium course. So I don't, I don't think it, it fits his game. 
Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the young guys are definitely entertaining out there and so are the oldsters guys like, you know, Phil. So I'm going to be interested to see what the weekend holds. And I think I speak for the both of us when I say if you're, if you're bored this weekend or if you're just tired of your favorite Netflix show, tune in to the golf channel or NBC and watch the players. Cause believe me, will it be entertaining and man, oh man, the weather in Ponte Beach right now. Oh my goodness, man. I'm jealous. I am. It's not bad here though. It was like in the seventies today. Yeah, no, it was, it's been nice the past three days, but I mean, I checked the forecast. I mean, it's supposed to be like, you know, like just bad, bad, bad. Like the next week. I mean, it's supposed to get colder. It's supposed to mm-hmm. rain. Oh my God. I mean, March is just such a bad month, but you know, lucky for, uh, the Maryland women's and men's basketball team, they don't have to worry about the weather because they are indoors kicking some serious butt right now as they both move on to the second round of their respective Big Ten tournaments as the woman, George, the woman took down Nebraska by a final of 83-73 to 73 today, winning in the first round, led by Ashley Owosu. She had a phenomenal, phenomenal game, in particular the second half. She made seven consecutive free throws to end the game with a total of 22 points, really came through in the clutch, did a nice job. And Maryland got to a point where Nebraska was honestly responding to everything they were doing. But Maryland, for every response Nebraska had, they had a punch right back. I agree with that. And, you know, I was saying before this, the best possible opponent that Maryland could have played in this first round for them was Nebraska because they they were – it was a dogfight. It wasn't really a 10-point win like – like this, you know, the box score says, because it was close. They were losing at points in the third quarter. It was very, very close. And it was really good because Maryland hasn't had a competitive close game like that in a while. So before they go into play and, you know, the Elite Eight and Final Four, hopefully those will be competitive, tough games. And they got that today in a very, very good Nebraska team. And honestly, it was nothing like the first time that they played earlier in the year. And I was a little bit surprised that it was so close. And this team had to work for it today. They haven't had, you know, teams that have been hanging around with them recently. And they, this team and those Cornhuskers were not, you know, laying down. They didn't care that, you know, Maryland was the number one seed in this tournament. They were giving them everything they had today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this game was the complete opposite of their battle on Valentine's Day when the Terps beat the Cornhuskers 95 to 73. And it was incredible. And you got to take your cap off to, guard Sam Habby for uh, Nebraska, who led the squad with 24 points. And the Cornhuskers, they trailed by three after three quarters. And then Habby sank consecutive three-pointers to give Nebraska a three-point lead with about eight minutes left. But that's when Owosu took over for a 7-0 spurt of her own, which led Maryland to all of a sudden take that biggest lead of the game, which they had and finally pulled out and won it by 10. Now, Maryland, you know, it's going to be interesting who they have tomorrow. We don't know Northwestern or Michigan. We could have two Michigan Terrapin games tomorrow. Who knows? But in regards to the women, what do they need to do differently, George, tomorrow that against Michigan? I would say, you know, a, a better team, a, a more, you know, a more well-rounded team than the Cornhuskers were this season to kind of, you know, play better basketball, Maryland basketball. Well, I don't really – care who it is if it's you know like we said northwestern or michigan katie benson can't have her first points the third quarter she has to get started earlier as we've alluded to on the show numerous times she is the leading three-point percentage shooter in the entire you know big 10 ncaa so she's got to get started earlier she can't have her first three 
of the game like she did today in the third. She's got to get, uh, you know, get that touch early on and get started hot. Similarly, when what they have to continue to do is today, once, you know, Maryland went down, do you remember who made the shot to, to take the lead again? It was Chloe Bibby. Chloe the, Bibby. The, yeah, the, the senior grad transfer. Yep who played in tough games like this when she was at Mississippi State and made it to the Final Four. So Maryland has to rely on its old veterans, even if it's, you know, Chloe's first time in the Big Ten tournament. She still nonetheless played in the NCAA tournament, played in the, in the uh, SEC and NCAA tournaments in the past. So she has to bring that experience and leadership to the Big Ten tournament like she did today. And those were two of my keys to tomorrow's game, whomever it's against. Got to get Katie Benson started earlier, and you got to let the veterans uh, show their leadership in the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, this is March. I mean, I think if you are a team, whether it's your conference tournament or if it's the March Madness tournament, and you're in, you're capable of winning. Anyone is capable of winning. So I agree with you. I don't care if it's Northwestern. I don't care if it's Michigan. It doesn't matter, especially after what I saw today. Nebraska came out, and you got to tip your cap to them. They played incredible. Yes, and they got lucky, too. If you saw that, that one shot at the end of the second quarter with the shot clock was expiring from near half court. Near half court, yeah. And, and she just – the Nebraska player, I'm not sure who was, just threw up a Hail Mary, and it went in. And even the, you know, the TV zoomed in on Brenda Freeze throwing her arms up. She couldn't even believe that she made that shot. No, and, and those kind of things like that happen. Yeah, you know? I mean, those kind of things, you know, deflate a team and they shift momentum. No, that was kind of that was cruddy. That definitely was a deflating feeling, as I just kind of referenced. But no, I mean, it's 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 going to be interesting tomorrow. But we have to remember this Maryland team. They're now twenty-two and two, but they finished the regular season twenty-one and two. Their their prime players, their prime go-to players, are primarily sophomores, and they're a young team for the most part. And I, I agree with you, George. I'm glad you brought up the point of Katie Benson because when the game was winding down, when there was four, you know, three minutes, even two minutes, I kept asking myself, why isn't Katie on the floor? I'm kind of confused by this move by Coach Freeze. But Chloe Bibby, she made two consecutive shots with under three minutes to go uh, when Nebraska was really getting into their groove. And it was, it was literally a back and forth. I was just like, man, I hope every game is this good but it was a back and forth. And I really didn't think Maryland was going to be able to pull away by double digits uh, at one point, but they did and they ended up winning. But the bottom line is I think coach, I would, my suggestion would be, and what do I know? She's a hall of famer. She's a coach of the year. She, she knows what she's doing. The but national championship I, coach. Absolutely. Forgot that credential. But what I, what I saw today, I think there needs to just be a little bit better of a balance between the experience and the youth. And I also think I did kind of come to the conclusion that I think she might've been doing it for like a size advantage. Nebraska was going small. I did notice that they had all their best shooters out there and they needed to, that was a good coaching move. They were, they were trailing in Maryland. I mean, there's a reason they're number one, you know, uh, seed in the uh, big 10. So, I mean, the bottom line is I think the Terps are going to have their hands full tomorrow. I think we saw that, especially with inexperienced players like a Wosu and Diamond Miller, you know, but they're, they are the leaders on this team, but it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that because they're so young and they haven't been in this situation all that a lot when they're, when they're actually in key role players, I guess that's what I'm trying to get across. They're not, you know, sitting on the bench. They are keys. They are key players to winning games in and out for Maryland. And 
Uh, Michigan and Northwestern are two great programs, two great teams, and they're going to bring it tomorrow. Um, and we saw today the Maryland men, I'm telling you, they did not look like they did against Penn State or Northwestern. They came out today, and that team was swinging on all ends. Well, they weren't swinging to start. They got they started not, slow. Not to start. Not Very, very slow start. I'm honestly, you know what? I honestly had the here we go again, you know, just loop it in my head. I'm like, why? Like, why is it this time of year every year for this team, it feels like? Down by 12 early. That was Michigan State's largest lead. And then finally, finally, as we got to the point, probably, what would you say, midway of the first half? Yeah, well, when Maryland went on that 13-3 to run is when the momentum shifted. Exactly. That's when it shifted, and that's when finally things started to click. Eric Ayala, Andrew Wiggins, the big three, Daryl Morsell, they all, everything started to just to go their way. Um, and what I'd like to see today that I find encouraging is Morsell was not only encouraging on the defensive end, but he was shooting the ball very well, very well. And I definitely like to see that. Um, and something key, you know, Eric Ayala was able to make four consecutive free throws in the first half after a Tom Izzo technical foul. Um, when they were at one point, Maryland was down by six. That gave them some serious momentum. That was part of that 13 to three run I should uh, add to. So, no, I mean, I definitely think in regards to tomorrow's game, we know who they're playing. Uh, we both got grins on our faces. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those games you look at it on paper, and you're, you're looking at your bracket, easy money. It's, one, it's, it's a UMBC versus Virginia. That's what it is. And you kind of just look at it and kind of disregard it. But like I said, anybody's capable of beating anyone. Juwan Howard's a great coach. He's got great players, NBA caliber, some of them. But the bottom line is I think Maryland has the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. They have a good defense. They are good enough. What it's going to come down to is the balance on their offense. Are they able, are they going to be able to out rebound Michigan? Can they score enough points in the paint? Can Dante Scott, can he get more involved? How well is Eric Ayala? Is he going to be shooting the ball? Well, how involved is Daryl Morsell going to be? Is it going to be like today? Is he going to be shooting mid range game? Is he going to be taking it to the rack and getting fouled? I mean, it, it's got to, it comes down to that balance with Maryland because what I've noticed from this season, all of their losses are because of one side of the ball, not because of both. They're because of one side of the ball. They need to be more of a balanced attack. I agree with that. Uh, something also that's going to be important is what could have been a bigger problem today was the foul trouble. Uh, I remember with like the eight-minute mark in the second half, they showed the little, uh, I don't know what you want to, um, animation or little stat or whatever on the bottom. That, graphic, that, yeah. Yeah, that – you know, Jairus Hamilton was in foul trouble with four. Galen Smith had four fouls, and, you know, Aaron Wiggins had three with about eight minutes left. If that's tomorrow against Michigan, and Michigan knows that, you know, Maryland's in foul trouble with Galen Smith and Jairus Hamilton, two of their bigger guys, and they just start giving the ball to Hunter Dickinson down low and letting him, you know, in the low post battling it out. And if Maryland gets into foul trouble again, it'll be a big problem because – Maryland's already undersized, and if the bigs get in foul trouble against Hunter Dickinson, it could be a very long day. So that's something that, that you know, has to be – or that Coach Turge has to be mindful of because they got in some foul trouble today, and tomorrow it could be a bigger, bigger problem. Another thing that was great with Maryland today was their points off of turnovers. They got Michigan State to turn the ball over a lot 
and scored and capitalized off of it. If Maryland cuts down the self-inflicted wounds, you have to – I don't want to say you have to play a perfect game against Michigan, but you have to play a very disciplined game. You can't be turning it over, traveling, offensive fouls. You can't do those kinds of things to beat the juggernaut that is Michigan. And if Maryland can play smart and Maryland small ball and play fast and go downhill, they have a chance. But it's still an underdog game tomorrow. And by no means is Maryland, you know, favored, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, I completely agree. I mean, uh, the blue, I mean, the Wolverines, they've won both games by a combined 35 points in the regular season. Um, Maryland is without question the underdog tomorrow. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, I think they like that. There's no pressure on them. Um, you, can, you can definitely make that argument like, yeah, there is. We can get a better seed in NCAA. It's going to help. Our, but you shouldn't think that way. You, you need to go in there like this is a regular season game. And you need to go in there and just, you know, you're the underdog. Play like it. It's okay. Be comfortable in that position. Be comfortable with not being favored. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable, as they say. So I think that's where Maryland stands right now. But the bottom line is Maryland, in my opinion, can win this game. They have the capability to win this game. The talent is there. I think Mark Turgeon just has to do a better job in being able to find a more, you know, when and when not to have, you know, the big guys in, when to go small ball when to go big. I was watching a game the other night. Um, what game was it? Oh, man. It was um, – oh, oh, my goodness. It was Notre Dame, North Carolina. And I was, I was absolutely mesmerized and very impressed. Obviously, Roy Williams has been doing this forever. But I was very mesmerized by the way he knew when and when not to have his guards and his centers and forwards in. There were times when he had three big men in three guys that play the five. There were times when he had all five of his forwards and guards in. I think Mark Turgeon just sometimes just tomorrow, he's going to have to throw some curves at Juwan Howard. Something he knows that they have not studied in film. Michigan's had a little bit of time off now. So I really, I really do believe that Maryland this today is going to help them. Um, I, I definitely think teams that have buys, that's something we have yet to address uh, that can potentially hurt um and i definitely think you know something like we saw i referenced the umbc virginia game no buy for virginia no buy but they're coming in there thinking they are they are the greatest they are the best we're facing a 16 seed how bad could this be we will we will cakewalk all over these guys not the case not the case i think maryland is on a high right now i think they have a lot of momentum and I think they could potentially be running into a trap game from, excuse me, a trap. Michigan could potentially be running into a trap game against Maryland tomorrow. So I, I hope you're right. I, I Oh my God. I'm hope I hope I'm right too. I do think this will be a single digit though, win for Michigan. I do think this is going to be a tight game. I do think it will be a tight game. A lot of people think this is going to be an absolute explosion of a game for Maryland and they are going to lay an egg, but I completely disagree. Well, I hope that you're right. I dislike a little bit of the UNC talk on, on the Maryland show, to be completely honest. Uh, 
you know, but other than that, I agree with your analysis, my friend. Yeah, bringing in, bringing in some other, you know, colorful analogies throughout the NCAA. Well, I'm sure a majority of Maryland fans are definitely keeping an eye on the basketball side of things in athletics today. But Jake Funk went off at Maryland's NFL Pro Day. It was phenomenal, the numbers he put up. He absolutely went off at a, and had a field day. He did a phenomenal job. I was very impressed. I mean, media wasn't able to attend, so there wasn't as many people there as normal as a normal field day. But Funk ran a 4-4-3, 40-yard dash. He had a 38-inch vertical jump, which was higher than the likes of Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry, and Christian McCaffrey. And not to mention, he recorded a 10-foot-2-inch board jump and had 22 reps of 225 pounds in bench press. Okay, so George. The last time I had two, 22 reps of 225 pounds bench press was never. So that, uh, same. That, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, I'm telling you, I think hot take, hot take. I, I want to definitely hear your side of things on this, but hot take. Um, uh, Jake Funk is Maryland's next Stefan Diggs. I see where you're going with maybe being a fifth round draft pick. If that's what you're saying, sure. I don't think he's going to become an all-pro like Stephon Diggs, a pro bowler, you know, first-team all-pro like he was this year. I don't think he's going to be that good, no. But he could be a middle-round guy now. With those kind of numbers, that's very, very impressive. I mean, I think he's going to be drafted in the third or fourth round. I really do. But he's no Stephon Diggs because Stephon Diggs was a fifth-rounder. He was a fifth-rounder. Uh, a gem of a fifth round, let's just say. We, we could get on and on about that, but yes, he was. But yeah, I think that Jake Funk definitely proved himself that being a two-star recruit was a fluke, and a lot of people disrespected him with that. And by showing these numbers yesterday, he can, you know, he just said he had a better, you know, vertical jump than Christian McCaffrey. How many times have we seen Christian McCaffrey hurdle players? It just shows Jake Funk could do that too. Not to mention Jake Funk had not one but two torn ACLs in his college career. So that, what I think is so impressive, that he was able to battle through injuries twice, potential career injuries for some people, and put up those kind of numbers. So you have to really salute Jake Funk. Not to mention that he played under three different head coaches, DJ Durkin, interim head coach of Matt Canada, and Mike Loxley. So he never left. He didn't transfer out of the program. He was a true Maryland, you know, star. I mean, you could really say that. Like, he, I mean, yeah, he, he is a gritty player. He fought. He is a gritty player. And pro scouts see that. They see the things that don't happen in front of the television screen. So I really, I really believe that Jake Funk, you know, and this is aside what he did at his pro day, but – he reminds me, honestly, a combination of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. I mean, he bounces off. Not another that. Penn State reference. That's even worse than North Carolina one, my friend. That is, and not to mention, you know, Mr. Penn State is now on the Giants. I mean, that's double down. That is, just, oh, God, that's, yeah, that's pretty bad altogether. But he's built like Saquon Barkley. He bounces off tackles like Christian McCaffrey. He can get up like Christian McCaffrey. He's got both running back speed. He's got explosive speed once he hits the secondary. Doesn't turn the football over. He's very reliable. He's a very reliable guy. And not to mention, you mentioned, George, his grit of battling through two injuries 
and he didn't, he, he kept going. He didn't quit the program. He didn't transfer. Uh, I mean, he's, he's done a phenomenal job and I hope he gets the opportunities he deserves uh, come his career in the NFL. And I hope he gets, I hope I'm right. I hope he's a third, fourth round pick. Uh, that does I, not yeah. mean he's going to be the next Stefan Diggs, but I really, I, I see it. I see it. Or the next DJ Moore. He's also due to have a breakout season if he get a decent quarterback in Carolina. Oh, talk about someone very underrated. I mean, and yeah, they're talking about, you know, potentially Deshaun Watson headed over there in a mega trade deal. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But as we conclude our show here, George, before we uh, tell our friends goodbye, you told me a trivia question that I'm going to need you to repeat at the beginning of the show. Sure. Today, Maryland men's basketball beat the Michigan State Spartans. And tomorrow, we're going to face off against the Michigan Wolverines. What or when was the last time that Maryland men's basketball beat both Michigan State and Michigan in the same season? Okay. Okay, my first – okay. I believe this was relatively recent, right? Correct, because Maryland's only been in the Big Ten recently. This was relatively recent. Um I have three years in mind, which I don't know if help if, it, if that helps or hurts me. Um, whew, whew, whew. Okay, my first guess, my first guess, is going to be 2018. Okay. My second guess, excuse me, I had something in my eye there. My second guess is going to be 2017. And then, honestly, my third guess is going to be 2015. Okay. Do you have a final answer? Before I submit my final answer, maybe to get half credit today, could you tell me if one of those three is correct? None of those are correct. None of those are correct. Oh, my goodness. Wow. You know what? Then I'm going to have to go um, – Okay. Then I'm going to have to go uh, 2019. The 2019-2020 season is correct, my friend. It was yep. last year. Yep. Maryland yep. beat Michigan State up in the Breslin Center on College Game Day. They laid an egg at home against College Game Day, and they beat the Wolverines at home on senior night for Anthony Cowan to clinch a share of the Big Ten regular season. I remember that celebration. Yep, with uh, Anthony Cowan. Stay- oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was- It was a relatively easy question. You read way too into it, my friend. I did. I did. And I knew it was very recent because I was like, I was still an undergrad at this time. I remember this so well. I was like, this was really – this was um, – but, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. The yeah. 2017-2018 season, Maryland played against – Michigan State at home. It was a flash mob game, and Maryland lost a 13-point halftime lead against Michigan State. So it wasn't that year. Maryland beat Michigan State in 2017. They beat them. That was when Mello Trimble – in 2017, Mello Trimble hit a game-winning three-pointer against Michigan State. Oh, up there, yeah. No, that was home in 2017. They lost in 2018. Then – excuse me – then did they beat Michigan in 2018? They lost to Michigan on the road. On the road? Okay. Right. And it wasn't the most recent anyway because they did it last year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so but, it was, uh, that's what I thought. Okay. But it was last year. Yeah. Oh, man, that's incredible. This is, this, is, 
that that folks that should be like the epitome of what COVID is doing to my brain right now every day just feels the same every year feels the same i mean oh my god COVID has crunched time together ah oh, i swear to god i feel like literally i mean what season was it maryland maryland had like 25 wins it was it that was 2019 right I don't think they got to 25 wins, but it was a lot. Also, in the 2015 to 2016 season, they that was the Sweet 16 years. So, it might have been then you might be thinking of. It could have been there. Maybe they had 23, but I, I, they went off. And it was it was with Bruno and uh, Anthony Callen. Oh, well, if it was – it wouldn't have been with Bruno because Bruno left 2018. So, he left 2018. Been, I, I think and they didn't they, – that was the year that they won in the tournament, the one game – when Sticks was then a freshman, they lost to LSU. They lost to LSU. And then the year before that, when Bruno was a freshman, they didn't make the tournament. They didn't make it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, man, everything is just happening in bunches so recently. Okay. But I'll, t- I'll take the point. I'll yeah. The point. You got it, my friend. I got it. Yeah. I got it. That is my – that's my third. Yes. That's my third third of the season. All right. I'll take you also it. have a two uh, trivia streak right now. You got the I last do. one, too. I do. I've never had a streak. I've never had a streak. I think I, yeah, I got my first one, and then I got two consecutive ones wrong. And then, oh, man, I'm building a streak here. Folks, get on the Jack White bandwagon of trivia questions. He is on a hot streak, folks. A thousand percent, as they like to say, within the last two weeks. Ooh, he's feeling it. He's feeling it from the line. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in with Jack and George here on Turbulence this week. And thank you for listening to what we have to say. We will be back next week on the airwaves with all your Terrapin talk and all things sports. See you next week, folks. Have a safe and happy weekend.